Welcome, everyone. Great to see you. Uh, I know in my house, as you're talking about uh, parents with, with candy and all of that for, for trick-or-treat, anybody else invoke the parent tax, as we like to call it? Makes us feel a little bit better um, to call it a parent tax on our kids when it comes to the trick-or-treat candy. And essentially what that looks like is this. I'm going to take whatever I want. So there it is. Um, yeah, that's, those are the rules, because I'm dad. So anyway, welcome to those of you that are here. Uh, and uh, for those of you watching online, uh, it's great that we can all get together here. Uh, I'm Jay, and I'm the lead pastor. And it is, uh, it's so good to, to just get together in God's house. And um, we've been talking through the idea of getting back to normal. And it's something that we're all looking forward to. It's something that I think we're all... Uh, struggling to find, but I think it's also something that we're coming to the reality of that things will never exactly be back to normal, at least not in terms of what uh, we call normal. And that for us as believers, there's nothing normal about following Jesus. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, you will know that there is nothing normal about following Jesus. And so um, we've been looking through uh, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and, uh, and a really good way to, to look at that is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, because the Holy Spirit is just active in um, every single story and every single page of, uh, of the book of Acts, and, um, and you see the influence of the Holy Spirit in the way that God uh, is just moving uh, through these circumstances that in every single page of the book of Acts, things are just not normal because we see the birth of the early church and we see the struggles and the things that they've gone through. And this week is going to be no different because we're going to see a story that is far from normal, uh, but at the same time is something that I believe we can all relate to, um, especially during these times that, that we've been going through right now. Because, um, you know, God is in the business of breaking the cycle of normal. Uh, he always has been, and he always will be. It maybe hasn't been as prominent in our lives up until the last few months, but, uh, but God is always in the business of breaking the cycle of normal. And so as we begin today, I want to start with a question that I think a lot of us have had to look at in some way, shape, or form over the last few months in a way that maybe we hadn't had to look at until now, and it's this, how strong is your faith? How strong is your faith? How strong is your faith? Last Sunday, uh, I had the uh, privilege and you know, exciting opportunity to announce the new storage building that we're gonna be putting in the back of the property and the way that God literally dropped the money in our lap for this building. Um, and it was, it's amazing. And we're, we're really trying to be good stewards of the way in which that building is used for ministry because everything we do here, it's more than a building. It's, it's, it's a building for ministry and to, and to reach people and to connect people to Christ's community and purpose. And that is going to be just as much a part of that as, uh, as the rest of phase two. Um, but, you know, it's, it's amazing when, when God drops things like that in your lap and when you have uh, tough decisions that you have to make in life and you have these, uh, these hard decisions you end up asking questions like this. As uh, we sat together as a, as a spiritual leadership team when, when we started asking questions about whether we were gonna build this building back in July, in some ways we asked this question, how strong is our faith? We had to really lean into that and, and ask that question. 
Um, and you know, times of, as I said, times of tough decision, times of tragedy in, in many ways, um, times when you really are struggling with just life, bring this question to the forefront because sometimes, sometimes it's, it's really hard to live by faith if we're gonna be honest. It can be really hard to live by faith. Take a look at this video. Just a few more days and baby makes five. I can't wait to meet this new little life, but my mind is spinning with questions. How is it possible to be at such odds within myself? You know the struggles we've had, the sleepless nights, the complications, the medical bills. You know the deep depression that nearly claimed me. I don't want to walk through that valley again. We're down to one income now. Even that has been cut by 6%, while our health premiums have risen by 25. And this high deductible insurance plan, it's crippling us. We can't afford to pay everything out of pocket. We've already dipped into our savings to tithe, and now that's running out. It seems like we look around and see so many people who aren't struggling. Dual incomes, healthy babies, inexpensive health insurance. Some of them actually have it pretty easy and they don't even realize it. We try to be faithful with what little we've got, but sometimes I wish we had a little bit more. Still, we have never been without. We've always had food on our table, clothes on our backs, a roof over our heads, and somehow we pay the bills. Thank you for providing for our needs. Help us not to become ungrateful by focusing on our wants. Make us strong, because sometimes it's hard to live by faith. You know, a lot of us can relate to this story in a lot of ways. Maybe not every aspect of it, but some bits and pieces of that, I think, uh, you know, a version of that, especially now, a lot of us can relate to that. During COVID, we've all had to look at this question of faith in one way or another, and maybe we felt locked up or we felt um, like we've been hung out to dry. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 12 today. Uh, if you do have those or uh, you're following along with the Bible app, uh, you can uh, go to events and find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along with the notes there. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 as we've moved through uh, the book of Acts up to this point, and we've seen uh, things happening uh, with the early church and, and the formation of them and the Holy Spirit coming on them. And, um, and we talked about uh, Saul last week, and we're going to take a pause on his story for this week. Uh, and, and we're going to look at something that's, that happens to Peter. Uh, but before we get into that, we need to kind of set up a few things uh, real quick. Because at the beginning of this chapter, uh, we see in the first couple of verses, it talks about King Herod. And now when we hear King Herod, we think, uh, more than likely, you're thinking of King Herod from Luke 2 when Jesus was born and all of that. And uh, it, as you're reading through the scriptures, you're probably thinking, how old is this guy? Because he's 
He just continues to be there. But this is not actually that King Herod. This is that King Herod, who is Herod the Great. This is his grandson. Uh, and so Herod is kind of that last name that just kind of gets passed around. And, uh, and similar to his grandfather, he's not a good dude. Um, but this is Herod Agrippa is actually who this is. And, and he's actually Jewish on his mother's side and is never really embraced by the Jewish community. Uh, but he's put in a position of leadership and he really wants to be uh, embraced there by that community. And so that, that's important for us to understand as we start to see what happens here and why some of the things happen the way that it does. Um, Herod has James uh, in these first couple of verses, the brother of John, son of Zebedee. So this is uh, the brother of the guy that, uh, you know, John that wrote the book of John. Um, he is uh, killed. Herod kills him. And so this is the first martyr of the apostles. And he's killed, it says, by the sword. And now we don't exactly know what that means, but many of the translations and, and different um, uh, um, I guess not translations, but traditions that are, that are kind of passed down in terms of what actually happened to him is it's one of two things. He was either beheaded, but there is also um, some things that are written that say that he may have been sawed in half lengthwise uh, as the way that he was martyred. So these guys were not, um, all, all of them except John were martyred, if you didn't know that. Um, none of them fun. <laughs> none of it in... Uh, not that it's, it's ever uh, good ways, but um, this is the first disciple to be martyred here. And so this uh, really kind of invokes something within, within the community of, of the followers of the way, which is what they were known as before they were called Christians. And so Herod decides to go after Peter now. All right, we've taken out James. Now I'm going to go after Peter. And so Peter is arrested Peter's arrested, but Herod, being a Jew, this is why this is important, or partially uh, Jewish, knows that it is Passover and knows that he can't kill him just yet because it's against Jewish law. So he throws him in prison because you may be thinking, like, what did he wait for? What was he waiting for? Well, this is exactly why, because he was trying to gain favor with the people of the Jewish community. And so Peter's in prison, and he's imprisoned with four squads of four soldiers each around him. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a bit much for one guy. The worst of the worst criminals had two soldiers chained to each arm. And so, you know, Herod's a little bit overkill here. Um, but this is where we pick up the story. And so Peter's in prison, and we're in Acts 12, and we're going to be starting with verse 5. And so it says this, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, I want to stop just after this first verse for a second and point out a couple of things and ask a couple of questions. Namely, what would have happened, do you think, had the church paused and prayed for James like they did for Peter? As we get through this story, you'll, you'll see where I'm getting at with that. Because James, the first apostle to be martyred, but we don't find anything in Scripture about the church earnestly stopping and praying for James. We don't see that. It doesn't mean that they didn't. But there was this concerted effort to pray for Peter. What do you think would have happened, potentially, if they had stopped and prayed for him? I believe that this, this moment with James actually kind of woke the church up a little bit. And they needed it. So, inevitably, this kind of begs this question. Why do we have to learn the hard way? All of us. 
Why do we have to learn the hard way? Let, let me ask it maybe a little more blunt. Why are we so dumb? <laughs> because sometimes we really are. Sometimes we really are. We have to learn the hard way. It takes tragedy. It takes some terrible experience or it takes some kind of, you fill in the blank, of something like really terrible for us to like take a step back and go, you know what, maybe we should pray about that. Why isn't that maybe the first thing that we're doing? Why, are, why is our prayer life so much better in times of tragedy? And it's something we're constantly going to deal with for the rest of our lives. It's something that we, we all deal with. But for us to take a step back and go, you know what, I better pray about this. Man, it, it takes, sometimes it takes just like the worst of the worst things to happen for us to decide, boy, maybe if I had prayed before things got to this point, who knows what would have happened prior to then. You know, it says in James chapter 4, verse 2, that we have not because we ask not. Very short and simple statement there. But boy, there's a whole lot to that. We have not because we ask not. And you're going to see this theme kind of roll around as we continue through this story here. So let's go to the next verse and, uh, and continue with the story. In verse 6, it says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So he thought he was dreaming as he was sleeping in the prison. Can we just back up for a quick second and address the fact that he is sleeping again? Okay? Like, he's in prison the night before he's going to be executed. He's like, you know what? I'm really tired. Really? I don't think I would be sleeping. And it's funny because... We see this theme with Peter a couple of different times. In, in Luke chapter 9, in the Mount of Transfiguration, go read that story. I'm not going to explain it right now. But he was asleep like b before that happened, like right then and there. And then in the garden, we know that story, in the garden where Jesus says, uh, I'm going to go over here and pray. You guys hang out here and pray. And pretty much before Jesus hits his knees over there, Peter's sawing logs and sleeping with, with the other guys. And Jesus comes back a couple of times and is like, hey, you're supposed to be praying. And now he's in prison, about to be killed, and he's asleep again. But this is different. This is different. This is not um, a lack of expectation. This is not disobedience or ignorance or, uh, or immaturity. He, he's asleep because he's at peace. You want to talk about the peace that passes all understanding. What a great example of that we see here. Because Peter was a very different guy here than he was in those previous stories. His faith was an incredible thing, and it brought him peace regardless of the outcome. Let's continue on with the story here as we go to verse 10. It says, they passed the first and second guards. So this is Peter following the angel out, right? They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, 
Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And so now he's realizing, okay, that this actually happened here. This, this is actually happening, and, uh, and that's good. But let me ask you this question. What do you think would have happened had Peter just said, you know what, this is just a crazy dream. I think I'm just going to stay here chained up. This, is just, this isn't really happening. I think I'm, just, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to continue sleeping. I think I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to sit tight. He'd be dead. See, he wasn't sure, but he acted on it anyway. And there's an important lesson that, that we can learn here because a lot of times we keep ourselves imprisoned because we're not totally sure if we should follow God. We're not totally sure if that's really him speaking to me or not. We hear a teaching. We hear uh, some inspiration. We, we get inspired. I hope that each and every one of you here and those watching at home, that, that when we get together here, that you walk out of here feeling inspired and encouraged and challenged. I hope that and pray that that happens every week. And I hope that every time you get into God's word, whether you're with your small group or you're by yourself, that you feel inspired by God. But how many times does God or the Holy Spirit maybe put a passion or, or, or something on your heart and in your mind and you just blow it off? And write it off and go, ah, sounds cool, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. You know, we nod our heads and we say amen or whatever, which, by the way, you're allowed to do that here if you like. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, we just sit in our cell and think that it's just a dream. Am I really willing to go wherever God leads me to go? And if I am, I have to be willing to go wherever God leads me to go. Because this world tells us, our culture tells us that we should take it easy. We should just take it, you know what? I think, I, think you're, I think you need to just relax. You need to just chill. Take it easy. But you know what God says? You know what the word of God says? Christianity says take a chance. God says take a chance. Now, I'm not telling you to just freewheel and just, you know, whatever, any good old thought that comes in your mind, I'm just going to go and do that and, and, and all of that. God gives us wisdom and guidance and, and direction, and, and there's, there's various other things there as well. But, but we will never experience what God intends for us until we follow what he lays on our hearts and we step out in faith. We won't. Sometimes we find out that maybe it really just was a dream. Maybe it was just a vision, and maybe we were... Maybe we weren't quite seeing that the right way, and, and, but I'm sure God is going to teach us something through that anyway, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. And, and again, I'm not saying don't use your brain. Don't, don't turn your brain off because some people go the other extreme and, and they check their brain at the door. God gave us discernment. He gave us wisdom. He gives us godly people in our life to give us advice. We should listen to them and we should listen to, you know, to what God is showing us um, and, and we should you know, put all of those things together. I like to say it this way. God never gives us the flashy sign that says go. We're always looking for the, you know, go, eh, 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 go this way. And God never gives us that flashy sign. What he does is he gives us puzzle pieces in our life, and he gives us those puzzle pieces. And, and when we can have the wisdom and discernment to put those things together, we realize that that's either the big flashy sign we were looking for, or maybe it's a big old stop sign. But he never really gives us the one big flashy sign. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 14. You're going to be like, what in the world when I read this? But just stick with me for a second. 
This is Solomon wrote this. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Let me tell you what I'm, what, what I'm getting at with this. You might be able to sit there and say, you know what, I've, I've, never, I've never followed a dream, so therefore, I've never messed up. I've never messed up because I've never really followed a dream that didn't pan out. So you see, my stable is clean. My floor is spotless. Well, congratulations. I don't know how productive a farmer would actually be if I went into his stable and there weren't maybe a couple of piles of poo and a few flies. I would wonder what was actually happening in there with a farmer, wouldn't you? Instead of him just saying, look how perfect and clean my stables are, and nothing is happening because there was never a chance taken. Following the Lord's leading with wisdom and, and discernment and passion for the way in which God has wired you, absolutely, with all of those things. But you know what? Maybe we need to take a chance and we need to follow a little bit of, of the passion and, and, and the vision and, and, and some of the dreams that God has, has placed into your life and and you know what maybe a few cow patties will happen because of that i've got a few as well don't get me wrong it happens maybe maybe that's what happens and, and your barn has a few cow patties sitting in it but you know what it could be it could be like peter and you could be set free let's continue with the story verse 12 says when this had dawned on him he went to the house of mary the mother of John, also called Mark. So this is Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark, okay? And so he's going, Peter is going to, uh, to basically the community from the church. He's, he's kind of going to a small group house, all right, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Okay, is it just me or is this read like an SNL skit? I mean, honestly, like he, they're praying for Peter to get out of a prison. And he's like, guys, I'm here. And they're like, no, you're crazy. Well, let's keep praying. Come on. Like, he's right there. <laughs> he's right there. You know, we see community at the heart of this story again. Over and over, we see that through the book of Acts. We see community here. We see the Holy Spirit empowering and moving um, through this, which is awesome. And here's just a quick reminder for y'all. Neither of those things have changed since then, by the way. None of those things have changed. But I want you to notice that they didn't believe it. I'm sure you noticed that. They didn't believe it right at first. And so we have to ask this question, why are we surprised when God answers prayer? Why are we surprised? But we are, aren't we? We are. We're a lot more like, like those people and like the girl that runs to the door and then doesn't answer it than we want to admit. Maybe it was Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's, um, you know, that we're more focused on the what than on the why. Maybe we have a lack of expectation. Maybe we have a lack of expectation for God. But you know what? The Lord responds to prayer. The Lord responds to prayer 
even if it's not accompanied by a great deal of faith, the Lord still responds to prayer. And if you have faith enough to just pray, to just pray, things can happen. Things can happen. You take a chance on the vision that God gives you, and doors can open. It may not be the way that you expect it to be. In fact, it more than likely won't be. But just ask Peter. Doors open. See, there's this quote from Max Lucado that I, that I, I keep thinking of as I'm, as I'm reading through this. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. Think about that for a minute. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. We forget that. There are over 7,400 promises in the word of God. And you know, a majority of them have to do with God's willingness to answer prayer. A lot of them have to do with that. Jesus said in Luke 18 that we should pray and never give up. Our life needs to be a life of prayer. We need to begin and end with a defining, a defining aspect of our life should be that we, are, we have a prayer life. We talked about that months ago. And so here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I more like Peter or like the people praying for Peter? Am I more like Peter or am I more like the people praying for Peter? We need to be aware and expectant for God to move for when he does move. And you know what? I can relate to the people praying if I'm going to be honest with you, and I'd, I'd be willing to bet you can too. If we're going to just be honest with ourselves, I find myself and have found myself praying a lot like those people at various times. They're praying intensely. They're praying, you know, fervently and, and really um, asking God to move. But they weren't sure anything was going to happen. Really deep down, they weren't really sure anything was going to happen. And this story shows us, this may be surprising for you, for you to hear me say this. That's okay. We shouldn't stay that way, but it's okay. Because God was still moving in the midst of that. Because a moment like this, how much more do you think those, the faith of those people grew after that moment? How much more expectant do you think they were moving forward and, and really understanding the power of God after a moment like that? Peter would later write this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I feel like Peter might have been thinking about this experience as he wrote this years later, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, right? Is what it says here. That's why Peter had peace. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The ears of the Lord are open to prayer. That's why the church could pray. And then the face of the Lord is against evil. And um, quite frankly, if you read a little bit further on, that's why Herod was about to die. Because he did at the end of the chapter. The Lord took him out. You know, Matthew 17, Jesus talks about having faith. And he's talking to his disciples, and he's talking about having faith 
and having the faith of a mustard seed. And um, you may have heard this analogy before, I'm sure a lot of you have, but I don't know if you really know about the plant that Jesus was really referring to, because I'm sure you know mustard seeds like, it's like that. Even if I was holding it, you wouldn't really be able to see it, so just pretend. Um, so it's like that big. And if you were to plant that, it would grow into uh, what's actually called over in, over in Israel the, the kind of mustard plant that grows. It's a black mustard tree, but it's kind of a bush, but it's kind of a tree. And it grows into this like 15-foot wide by tall, huge, like thicket almost. And the birds can nest in it and animals nest in it and all kinds of stuff from one little tiny seed. And that little tiny seed changes the entire landscape of wherever it's planted because it really kind of takes over. It kind of takes over everything over the course of time. It takes over that, that whole area. A tiny bit of faith can make a huge difference and change the landscape. It can make a huge difference and change the landscape in ways that you can't even imagine. So let me put it this way. You feel like, maybe you feel like you're in prison. The things that are going on in your life right now, you feel boxed in. Like nothing is happening in your job, like nothing is happening in your life or your family, your life circumstances. Life just has you chained up, chained down. Let me just encourage you to cling to the hope that we have in Jesus and to pray anyway. Pray anyway. It may, you, you may be, if you're being really honest with yourself, you may be in a place where you're going, you know what, prayer just feels worthless right now. I'd be willing to bet that there's more people in this room and watching online that could say, you know what, I can relate to a moment like that in my life too. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Let's be honest. But you know what? It's not. It's not worthless. And maybe you need, just need somebody to tell you that, to hear it. I know it feels that way. We've all gone through moments where it feels that way. But just this much faith. Pray anyway. Give the Holy Spirit room to work. Give God time to move. Keep your eyes open for when he does show up to drop the shackles and follow where he leads. And you'll be amazed at what God does because sometimes it only takes a little bit of faith for a miracle to happen. That's why my connection point for the morning is this. Faith changes the landscape and sets us free. Faith changes the landscape and sets us free. Your faith, what little bit you might think that you have that may feel like it's not making a bit of difference right now, can I just tell you that the word of God says differently? That the word of God says that just that little bit of faith is all you need. Pray anyway. And it will change the landscape. And it may take some time, but at the same time, it may not. You don't know until you really, really put your faith in him. And we're not meant to do this to get, uh, alone anyway. We're meant to do this together. 
So maybe you feel like your faith is only this big. But you know what? If all of us had a mustard seed and all of us planted it together, it would take an entire empty field and cover it and completely change that landscape. Now imagine if we had more than just that little bit. And I believe we do. Imagine what God can do. A little faith can accomplish great things if that faith is placed in a great God. And we have a great God. And he is not done working. No matter what you feel like you're going through, he is not done working. Even when it doesn't seem like he is, he is. Doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away miraculously. The Bible's really clear about that. But, I mean, I'll just say it, they might. But again, God lays out the plans one step at a time for us. That's hard. That can be difficult. But are we willing to take each step as he places those in front of us? He doesn't give us the entire path. We wouldn't be able to handle it. We need to have faith in the one who is bigger than whatever it is that you're dealing with right now and to know that he's not surprised by anything that is going on in your life and that he can change the landscape. It might be through something tiny in a way that makes a big, big difference. We stand and bow your head. And I want to just pray as we, as we continue to worship here. As I said, you might feel chained up. You might feel like you've got shackles around you right now and you, and, and you see no way out and it might even feel like tomorrow the hammer's going to drop can I just encourage you to pray anyway and see what God does to have just a little bit of faith and get, give God room to work because he can set you free if you don't have a relationship with God Maybe you didn't know that God loved you that much. That he's there, that he, he can rescue you. And he, he sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sin because no matter what goes on in this world, we know that one day we'll be with him in heaven where none of the troubles of this world will even matter. What an awesome day that's gonna be. And if you're not 100% sure that you're gonna be with him in heaven one day, I would love to talk to you, pray with you today so that you can get that right. Father, I thank you so much for your love and your grace. Lord, I thank you that you're in control. I thank you for your, your word that, that is so clear. Father, I thank you that no matter what is happening in our life, God, that, that you wanna hear from us and that you can change the landscape of what's happening in our life with just a little bit of faith. Help us to learn from the story of Peter, from the way that your Holy Spirit moves, 
God, what little faith we might have. Lord, I just pray that you would, you would move in powerful ways in our life. Because you are here. You're in the middle of, of everything happening in our life. Lord, you're in this place right now. And Holy Spirit, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, I pray that your spirit would move and that they wouldn't walk out of this room until they get that right. Or that they at least ask some questions. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name.